Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafrey. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. Exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going, Joe? It's going pretty good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing good. Can't complain. It's, uh, you're getting ready to um, travel out west, right? Is that why we're doing yeah. this western thing? So, Yep, uh, I'm going to be out there pretty much almost the entire month of July, where it's I know. nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice and warm is an understatement. So, mm-hmm. I, I know we've um, talked about it quite a bit, like just in passing and here and there. And we talked a little bit about you. You actually are very restrained. We did a couple of animated dinosaur films early <laughs> on on the. Yeah. But um, what is it that you're doing out west? To tell everybody, if who anyone who doesn't know you personally, um, what it is that you do exactly you mentioned being a professor quite a bit on the on the yeah, podcast but i'm so, not sure you've ever really like gotten into it like so i'm i'm a, a vertebrate paleontologist i i study dinosaurs which is kind of funny because most paleontologists don't study dinosaurs yet that's what <laughs> right. they're always assumed to do and archaeologists of course don't do anything with fossils but um yeah but so, they do carry whips and shoot they, nazis they so. do carry whips and shoot nazis Um, but no, so I actually do study dinosaurs and, uh, for about, God, I can't believe I can say this now for over 20 years now, every summer I go out to Wyoming or Montana or Utah or other Canada, uh, and, and dig and go through museum collections and actually try to figure stuff out about these big dead animals. So, um, the site that we have in Utah is the Cleveland Lloyd dinosaur quarry. It's actually been known for almost a hundred years. And it's been collected, um, I don't want to say professionally, but like there's been museums and universities that have been going out there since the 1920s on and off. And the site is maintained by the Bureau of Land Management. It's recently been redesignated as Jurassic National Monument. And I have no mm-hmm. idea what that really is going to mean. Nobody does. <laughs> so, yeah. but that was what the current administration decided to do. Um, but the cool thing about the site is it's one of the few places I can take students to and say, oh, you want to find a dinosaur bone? I guarantee you're going to find one because there have been somewhere between ten to 15,000 bones collected from this site. We find a few a day. Um, 
and most of them like over 70 percent of them are uh predators the big jurassic predator allosaurus so it's a big allosaur death pit and we don't really know why which is exciting hmm. So we stay out there for about uh, a couple of weeks every summer. We camp right out at the quarry. Uh, we go into town for showers and groceries as needed, which is every couple of days. And uh, we, we're just right there, and we excavate and map, and we look for new sites in the surrounding area, and we do a lot of geology field work out there too. So it's uh, it's it's kind of a workcation in a way i mean it's it's fun to be out there the evenings are nice and relaxing and do the campfire thing and all that but yeah during the day it's a lot of like oh let's let's go look at that new footprint site we found it's only five miles away and you just start walking (laughs) so i always come back about three or three to five pounds lighter (laughs) right yeah and the the temperatures aren't that time of year aren't anything to scoff at no. either and i don't know if it's quite as bad in utah but when, when i was out i was out a couple of years with with for people that don't know with joe shooting a documentary film oh years ago now so yeah um, in montana right and it was pretty the weather's pretty brutal out there dry and hot and <laughs> well we um we tried going out to the site in june a few times and once in may and the weather was was great i mean it's 70s 80s sunny and dry um the downside is that is like the only time of year you're gonna get rain so Mm -hmm. and if it's a lot of rain at once all that clay just turns to sludge yeah Um, i mean i could remember literally a couple of times where that the rainstorm just kind of comes out of nowhere at you and it's like okay start packing up stuff when you feel the first drop and we run to the cars and just hope we're not stuck in the mud overnight like out in the field like yeah (laughs) yeah uh but we also have a a, another issue at this site in utah and that's um the biting gnats oh gosh which sounds fun yeah they're you know i guess it's very similar to what you'd see in florida that they call the noceums or you know around utah they call them cedar gnats um nothing works against them i've tried deet I've tried everything. I've even looked at, you know, kind of random stuff online. Somebody once told me to do vanilla extract. That didn't work. I just smelled like cookies all day and I still got eaten alive. Um, yeah. And I actually Probably looked at... Probably more so because, you know, some of the campers tried to bite you as well. No, just... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did end up looking at, like, the... Um, forestry service website and you know their recommendations about some of the insects out there and they were like oh mosquitoes you know cover up and wear deet and you know you know spray yourself with deet and i was like the cedar gnats just stay inside yeah (laughs) just don't go outside don't do don't nothing is gonna work and i i have scars on my legs from five years ago from where those little bastards bit um yeah they're they can be brutal so we discovered that if you go out there in july it's it's too dry and too hot for them um but it's 114 degrees all day, yeah. so that's the downside. But you get a lot of water, and you set up some sh- some some tents and shades. You should be okay. Uh, we discovered though when we went out there in like May and June, the gnats are really really bad in the morning and really really bad right before the sun gets below the horizon. So we'd be hiking around trying to stay towards the drier areas away from ponds and things. Um, during the day and then when we were done working we'd all go and like literally hide inside the vans and the cars until the sun went below the ridge and then we'd get out and make dinner yeah because the bugs were so bad you couldn't even just sit out you know they would just swarm you and, and people after two weeks of that you start to go a little nuts i would think um, so 
You know, it's this constant buzz after two or three days of that, honestly. Yeah. So, so we're going out there when it's super hot and we're just, it's, it's actually easier to, to, you know, there's workarounds for heat, right? So you can't really do much with these, these gnats. So, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm going to be going. I leave on July 8th and I'll be back something like the 23rd. So it's, uh, it's about a day and a half to get out there and (laughs) then it's just, Okay, I'm gonna be living in my car. <laughs> That's right. gonna be it. So, which will be nice and hot too. So that'll be great. Yeah, but, sounds fun. So yeah, we're, I, I one of these times we're gonna have to figure out a way to record an episode while I'm out there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, if you can get a solid internet connection, we can do it. But that's the challenge there. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be uh, that'd be fun to try to do. I just need a satellite relay. That's all. Yeah, you know? but yeah, see if so. The, Talk to the military. They'll get. I'm sure they'll get us hooked up. Sure, sure. Yeah. We'll just have to. You're gonna talk to the current administration since it's now a national monument. Again, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> no idea. Right, do they but, even believe in dinosaurs? I mean, it's. A... Yeah. I, <laughs> anyway, I, wonder, so... I wonder. But you know what? Actually, and and I try. I really try not to do the paleontologist cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um. And and there is a fair amount of that. You go to some of these paleontology conferences, and it's like everybody's dressed like Indiana Jones for some reason. And I try not to do that. Um, yeah, you you dress more or less like Alan Grant from Jurassic Park instead of Indiana Jones. Like, right. Yeah, that's kind of true. No, I mean, I don't know. I do I do wear the big cowboy hat out there because it's good shade. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, anyone who's known me my whole life, like, probably doesn't see me as a person. Wears a cowboy hat, right? That's not a thing. Well, the two years that we were out there, I wore a goddamn cowboy hat on my head every day because that's what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, it was really a cowboy hat, but it was a big, wide brim hat, and that's yeah. that, it's good that's shape. called surviving out there. It's like, yeah, it is. It's and, necessary. And I I went through my phase where you know I'm gonna have every single piece of field gear I need attached to me at all times, and then after a couple of years of that, you're like, I don't need half of this shit, so <laughs> just don't pack it anymore. Yeah. But um, it. When when I watch the westerns like we've been talking about that last week and and this week, yeah, I, I'll admit there's a part of me that when I get out there and I'm looking around at the scenery and I got the cowboy hat on and I'm wearing boots, yeah, you strut a little bit, you know, it's <laughs> you you kind of want that you know backwoods cigar in your mouth and you want to spit and you just it's. I don't know. Right. It's kind of a couple me, of pistols on your belt. Yeah, you know, I, I need I need the revolver down there. You know, it's I yeah. I attribute it very similar to like when you're around. I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago too. When you're around somebody who has an accent, you start to to do the accent a little bit, yeah, you know, just yeah. without thinking about it. And and I think there's there's a bit of that, you know. You know, you're driving down a dirt road and somebody comes the opposite way. You wave. I don't know who they are, but you wave. And you do it the same way the locals do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you better. Otherwise, you're suspicious. So That's, That's right. Anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we, any... we got another Western that we're going to talk about tonight. Right? I was going to say, without any yeah. further ado, let's uh, introduce the movie we're going to be talking about tonight. And this is one that most people probably have seen before it just seems to be one of those movies that like everybody has seen and almost everybody loves and that's 1993's classic i guess at this Mm -hmm. point western tombstone starring kurt russell uh, val kilmer and on and on and on so um go through the little cast list later but man this one has everybody who is uh you know a big actor at the time 
yes. um, in this one. It was a place where a man could start over, where a fortune could be made. They say every town has a story. Tombstone has a legend. Who is he? It's Wider. Better name for himself as a peace officer. I heard of you. I'm retired. You must be Doc Holliday. You retired too? Not me. I'm in my prime. Hollywood Pictures presents... The only real law around here is the Cowboys. The story of Wyatt Earp. The first time in our lives we got a chance to stop wandering and finally be a family. Now this is trouble we don't need. If we're gonna have a future in this town, it's gotta have some law and order. What do you want, Ringo? I want your blood. I want your soul. I want them both right now. They shot your brother. Now the time has come for justice. Yes, maybe you better swear me in. And he has to live up to his reputation. You got a fight coming. I'll be there! One last time. None of your problem, Doc. You don't have to mix up in this. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. In a battle. The last charge of Wyatt Earp and his immortals. At the OK Corral. Oh, my God. The West would never forget. Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Dana Delaney, Powers Booth, Michael Bean, Bill Paxton, Jason Priestley, Sam Elliott, and Charlton Heston. Justice is coming to Tombstone. Just a little synopsis from the back of the DVD box. A sizzling star-studded cast brings to life the legendary battle to deliver justice to Tombstone. Kurt Russell turns in a gripping performance as U.S. Marshal Wyatt Earp and Val Kilmer ignites the screen as the outrageous Doc Holliday. Together, they team up to bring law to the lawless in a notorious showdown with ruthless outlaws at the OK Corral. The all-star ensemble also includes Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Dana Daly, Jason Priestley, Michael Bean, and longtime Hollywood favorite Charlton Heston. Get ready for an explosive action-packed adventure in the wild, the wild West would never forget. So. Oh my god, this is, I mean, Powers <laughs> Booth is in this yes john tenney billy zane um did you mention sam elliott um i did yep. yeah okay bill paxton michael rooker <laughs> it's just yeah, like I'm... every time you turn around it's like oh and, and one thing that isn't even mentioned but is uh billy bob thornton yeah yeah billy bob thornton right. has a, a short role which is a hilarious scene um yeah. Yeah, this one. I mean, yeah, you've got Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp, and okay, and this... I, and I got to throw this out there too because you know. So we've mentioned this on the show before, but Eric, you and I share a birthday. It's off by a few years, but it's October twenty sixth, right? Yes. The gunfight at the OK Corral was October twenty sixth, eighteen eighty one. It was. I knew that. Then. Yeah, one hundred years before I was born. Um, 
to the so day. 102 years. 102 <laughs> years before you were born. It's, yeah. you know, I don't know. I've always loved that. And I, I know this film takes a lot of liberties. Yes, um, this one is not known to be as historically accurate as, you know, supposedly Young Guns was that we talked about. Right. And again, it's the prime example of what we were talking about last week is historically accurate does not equal always equal better movie. <laughs> so people that harp on those kind of things, it's like, OK, hang on. What was what did you get? Like what was more entertaining to you? It had a better performances, what told a better story. These are movies we're talking about, not textbooks. So we'll evaluate them as movies. Um, let me step right. off the soapbox there, and then we'll uh, continue. But the well, um, and I think especially with these types of stories, whether it's Billy the Kid or Wyatt Earp, there is so much um, legend behind them that yeah. most of the stories that are told, whether it's on film or in the pages of books or whatever, or on TV, aren't historically accurate anyway. You know, I true. Mean, this, yeah, this I stuff, mean. They're, they're American legends at this point, like um, tall tales, you know, um, to the point where I don't think anyone's sure exactly <laughs> what the truth is, because uh, we were dealing with a situation in the West where there wasn't even, you know, a good solid basis for law and order. So I have a feeling most of these stories probably came word of mouth <laughs> anyway, so... Who yeah, knows? I really think that's true. I mean, I in in reviewing this and then doing a little bit of background reading, you know, you, you kind of fall down the the Google rabbit hole, mm-hmm. um, and it was reading about Doc Holliday, um, and there's conflicting stories about his life and you know why he went from one place to another, and you know, there's all these different stories because a lot of them were just told by somebody who knew somebody, but it was you know on their deathbed or something like that. And then it gets written in a book that is heavily edited. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's something we find up, you know, a lot of these famous stories. There's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of legend built up, uh, uh, behind him. He, the gunfight at the okay corral, it was like 30 shots fired in like 30 seconds. And that was it. Yeah. That was, actually was one of the interesting things that they did supposedly get historically accurate in this movie is that scene in the movie, the okay corral. Uh, yeah. supposedly they timed it so that it actually takes place in the real amount of time that it supposedly took place in real life. So and mm-hmm. that the amount of gunshots is supposedly accurate. And that's been one of the complaints supposedly some people had about this movie. And this is a very well loved movie, but so I guess there's detractors out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that, you know, kind of the gunfight at the OK Corral, the big famous historical event, that it was just kind of a non-starter in the movie. It just didn't really, you know, it took like a minute of screen time. And it's like, well, OK, well, that's actually in real life. It was about, you know, a minute long and only 30 shots were fired. So, yeah. And it uh, wasn't even at the OK Corral. It was like a block away. Yep. <laughs> but, so it's it's interesting because the director uh george cosmatos um did really really wonderful job of paying attention to historical details but not historical facts and what i mean by that is like everything he did in this movie like setting wise costume wise character wise um is all very very well thought out and very historically accurate 
to the point where he refused to use any fake hair pieces or mustaches. So all of the actors had to grow their own facial hair, um, which, by the way, you don't think that's a major thing, but uh, it adds its level of authenticity to the um, just the costuming and like the way that people look. Also, supposedly his costumes were very authentic. Um, yeah, and just just mm-hmm. down to the details of the this, way things were. His depiction me... of Tombstone as kind of a um, predecessor to Las Vegas, I guess, was was mm-hmm. more accurate, historically accurate than you know the old fashioned John Wayne style <laughs> Western two, town, two horse but... town kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, this this movie did make me want to shave the beard and keep the mustache. <laughs> but I know yeah, I'm lots not, of great mustache. I I'm you know I'm not growing one like Kurt Russell though. <laughs> that's just pure russell i mean i don't that it was i mean come on sam elliott's legendary i mean that guy's legendary for his mustache right so his mustache will live beyond him I mean, <laughs> that mustache will still have you know speaking roles after sam <laughs> and his voice he'll be dead he might be dead <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> might just be a dead. voice and a mustache <laughs> at this point but it, yeah the um it, it's it's very caricaturized right like it, we, we were talking last week with Young Guns about how they essentially, like, made an 80s Western, and it's all 80s, right? And in this one, it was kind of like, I'm surprised nobody said Reach for the Sky, but I can hear them saying Reach for the Sky. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they're talking about, you know, I dare you to skin it. In other words, pull your gun on me. You know, that kind of yeah. slang. Stuff, which was slang, that's fine, but it's... And it, it works though. I don't know. I know that there again. You, this is it's a well liked film, but there's a lot of there are some distractors from it. Um, you know, critically, there was some it, some mixed stuff there. It was mostly positive, but there's some some mixed ones. Uh, yeah, but there I are. think and, I like the dialogue. One of the things that I said right off the bat is that the script is a bit ham-fisted at times. Like it kind of shoves it down your throat that this is a western and white yeah. so badass. But I mean, honestly, it gives Kurt Russell some really incredibly badass lines. Like some of his best stuff is. Uh, it, straight out of this movie right so oh the scene uh, of with him and billy bob thornton <laughs> yeah. is is like a great establishing here's wyatt Earp. you know he's not even he's a retired marshal mm-hmm. and he's gonna walk into a bar because he heard that you know this 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 saloon has a dealer who's been you know making it difficult for people to go in there and so he goes in there unarmed and just slaps the shit out of Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> repeatedly and, uh, you know, throws him out. And then, you know, it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool scene. And then, it, of course, what everybody remembers about this film, though, is Val Kilmer. Yeah. Well, and I think this is arguably Val Kilmer's career performance. I mean, again, I mean, he's he's been great in other things, but this is really, I think... At the end of the day, unless he shows up and, you know, something and, and blows our minds again, I think this is going to be the one that he's remembered yeah. for. Like, this is his, you know, best screen performance. And like I said, I'm not saying he's not, he's been great in other things too, but this one's, yeah, he is. It's he, fantastic. I also think this is one of Michael Bean's best yeah. performances as well. Um, yeah, he's creepy as hell in this. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, and, uh, and they have a lot of good scenes together. Mm-hmm. Um, including yeah including the the you know big gunfight at the end which doesn't turn out the way you would expect it to at all like it's it's a really like clever scene i have an interesting mm-hmm. history i know we usually start with this and then 
just going to jump backwards, but I have an interesting, interesting history with this movie, and that is that I know I didn't see it for years and years and years of everybody saying, "Oh my God, you got to see Tombstone." You know, it's the you know best thing since sliced bread, essentially. And um, saw it, didn't really care for it. Like it just wasn't. I don't know if maybe my interest in westerns hadn't really been kindled yet, or I, I'm not sure, but didn't didn't really care for it, and just like never looked back. Like I never really wanted to see it again, and. It just so happens to be one of my wife's favorite movies of all time, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, and she kind of like one day just kind of, I don't know, perked up and like, oh, I haven't, you know what? I haven't seen Tombstone in years. I want to see that. So I bought it for her as a gift, you know, something and watched it again. And I was like, wow, this is a lot better movie than I thought it was. Like, I remember thinking this was kind of schlocky and uh, hmm. didn't care for it a whole lot. And like I said, it's, it's got moments. Where it yeah. is a little bit, but um, a little over the top, like it's trying too hard to be a Western. But <laughs> um, but I don't know. There's a lot of really incredible stuff going on here, too. And that's what we talked a little bit last week about Young Guns having an ambition to kind of set itself in a realistic, historical kind of setting for a Western. And now we, we understand like most Westerns are set, you know, at a certain historical period of time. But uh, this one lends itself like to a certain kind of like modern realism um look back on history it's not shiny you know Mm -hmm. there's there's not as defined lines between the good and the bad um it gives you a set of characters that are like highly complex including Wyatt Earp and his brothers and um Doc Holliday and then you know the cowboys your Ike Clanton and Johnny Ringo and um Curly Mm -hmm. Bill (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um but I don't think the lines are as clearly defined. There's certainly good guys and bad guys, right? There's the there's the the guys that you understand their motivations, and then there's the guys that just seem like loose cannons. But I don't think anyone is, you know, the, your squeaky clean, perfect, you know, um, John Wayne of this movie. I don't think you you have that anymore so by the night early 90s we're, we're looking at westerns in more of a realistic tone as in um these are violent people that have lived mm-hmm. violent lives and violence carries you know a set of consequences for people and they all carry that weight along with them and i think wyatt Earp's running from that and that's kind of his you know to, to yeah. quote the godfather three or whatever but you know once it, they they pull you back in you know <laughs> but, right well and um, and i i Looking back at American culture and looking back at American culture and how famous these people are, you know, like we mentioned, there's there's legends about Billy the Kid and about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and Wild Bill and Buffalo Bill and all and Calamity Jane. Mm-hmm. And I was actually on a, a dig one time in Montana and I was visiting with one of the, the volunteers we had out there and he was talking about how he and his family had just did like a family vacation tour of the West. And he's like, yeah, I had to take my, my kids. You know, we, we went to, we went to Tombstone and we went to Deadwood and we went, you know, all these different places. And we went to the graves of all of these, all these famous, you know, Western figures. And like, yeah, honey, here he's trying to like get his kids into. It. It's like, honey, here's here's the grave of Calamity Jane. His kids are like, well, who was she? Oh, well, she was a, you know, gunfighter and 
Yeah. Alcoholic. Gambler. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, here's yeah. Billy the Kid. Yeah, he was he was a murderer and uh gunfighter. Oh, here's Doc <laughs> Holliday. Oh, he was a gambler and shot a lot of people. Wow. You know, <laughs> these are our American heroes. Why? Because they're criminals. And yeah. then, you know, and not to, again, not to go off on a tangent, but, and then you, you look at what's, you know, what's like the, the more popular stuff on Netflix right now. It's a bunch of shit about Ted Bundy. Yeah. Well, you know, right. well, because we find this fascinating. We find this is, this is the long-term true crime, right? Even, yeah, even uh, Wyatt Earp ended up with, you know, uh, not such a, a good, a good name behind him. Um right. You know, Doc Holliday, definitely not. And you're right. I like how they did that. You know, the first time you see Doc Holliday in this movie, it, he's not a good guy. <laughs> he's kind of, right. you know, yeah, hustling and, some and people. Wyatt Earp is somebody who's obviously, you know, suffering from some sort of traumatic reaction to his prior life. And he's running from it, essentially. They're trying to start over, uh, yeah. get away from all of it. He's also very trapped inside of his celebrity at this point already. So... He's a known person, like everybody's like, oh, Wyatt Earp, you know, like he has this um, legendary status to him already and kind of that feels like a trap to him as well, I think. And he doesn't want any part of being that anymore. But then again, he can't help it. <laughs> like he always right. you know, steps, puts himself right into those situations. So. Well, I mean, there, uh, there was, you couldn't Google somebody and see what they looked like. So if somebody walks into your saloon and says they're Wyatt Earp, your your reaction is going to be, yeah, right. Right. You know, until they prove it or until somebody corroborates it. It was just a different, it was a very different time. And so, yeah, you had, you know, you there's a lot of fake news at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, by the way, I, I promised I would mention Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn was our one actor that was in both Young Guns and in Tombstone. And Terry O'Quinn plays the mayor of Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played the attorney who was a main character in Young Guns. The attorney, I don't remember his name, was Alex. I don't remember the, the, the whole name. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Terry O'Quinn's. I, yeah. I like him a lot. i uh, been a fan of him since unfortunately you know suffering through the entire series of lost which i loved at first and became um disenchanted with towards the end but he was always great so <laughs> never saw an episode and when i thought about doing it i had a lot of people tell me don't yeah <laughs> don't because it's just not worth the payoff i i would tell you to watch the first couple seasons because it's not bad but it just yeah when it yeah, don't. I agree. <laughs> so what what would be your biggest criticism though about Tombstone? Criticism. Um I don't have a lot. Like I really enjoyed this one. Maybe it's just cuz I watched Young Guns and I was kind of you know, lukewarm on that one. Mm-hmm. And so then I like immediately after finishing that pop in Tombstone and it was kind of like, ah, okay. Like, this feels like a Western. I mean, it's got a great score. It's got these great, you know, larger-than-life historical characters. It's not trying too hard to be historically accurate, but it's grounding everything in this kind of reality that, um, you know, a modern movie can do. And I don't know. I, mean, I was impressed with so much about it that this time around that it's hard to think about, like, what... I guess the things I already kind of pointed out, and that that yeah, the script could be a little ham-fisted. I think the this the narrative itself is very disjointed, and if maybe on first viewing, it's maybe a little bit difficult to keep your characters straight. Besides Wyatt Earp and um, uh, 
Doc Holiday, obviously. Those are it's really obviously who those are mm-hmm. or who they are. Um but I think that's the I mean that, that if you read a little bit about you know early production of this movie is the writer initially was the director of this film as well. Right. And just really, I guess, didn't have his shit together and was making a mess of the movie. So he was fired as the director and stayed on as a consultant and they hired George Cosmatos to to finish the film. He ended up reshooting most of what they had shot in the initial part of it. And um, he and Kurt Russell actually went through and did a rewrite on the script and trimmed a whole lot of stuff out, apparently. The, the script was huh. very, very massive at first. And... Uh, so most likely it did develop a lot of those other little pieces a lot better. I guess, I guess if it, out of all of that, what I would have liked to see a little more of is some development of the Cowboys. So the gang, um, I would like to see a little more besides the Mexican wedding at the beginning to develop who they were, where they're coming from. Um, cause I mean, as we know with history, there's two sides to every story. So giving a little bit of explanation of who the who the bad guys in this story were would have been nice, and why why Johnny Ringo is such a loose cannon. There's some great moments of Doc Holliday talking about his empathy for him, including as he you know watching him die at the end, um, and that you know he's just kind of a lost soul and all this stuff. Doc Holliday really actually, you kind of get the impression he really relates to Johnny Ringo in some way, <laughs> like um, he sees sees some of himself in him and. Uh, it would have been interesting to maybe see a little bit of more development, but either way, Michael Bean's great in that role. And I think it's a possibly a career best of his as well. But, so to get the two of them in a gunfight at the end of this thing is, is, I don't know, just I, each time I've seen this movie, I've liked it more. So I saw it again and like, you know, it dawned on me like, okay, Hey, I really think I like this movie. And this time I was like, wow, I really like a lot of things about this movie. Yeah. It may not be perfect, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's up there with it in, in the 90s western renaissance that we're talking about this is certainly i don't know if it's the best but it certainly stands out as among the best of those um and i prefer it to young guns for sure (laughs) well it doesn't feel as dated to 1993 as young guns did to 1988 um and and I think because the the score and the costumes and the dialogue was was handled, it feels more like a like a western. I I would say that the third act is a bit of a mess as far as a, from a narrative perspective. Mm-hmm. There's once um once that first gunfight happens, everything afterwards is kind of like wait what's going on? It's kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and it just goes all over the place. I did notice that about this movie. Another gripe I wrote down is that like it seems like all of the major plot points in this, besides the gunfight at the OK Corral, happen in montage for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, oh, we're going to go get the bad guys. Uh, you know, five-minute montage with music, and then that we're going to come back to a scene talking about, well, we've really whipped up on them, and now we're doing this. Like, So like every major thing besides... It seemed like it happened that way. But that also kind of leaves space for some really like great character moments so you get some good stuff between um i guess a a decision that uh, cosmatos and kurt russell made was that they wanted to trim down the script and have it focus the main focus of this narrative to be the relationship between wyatt earp and doc holiday and i think they did a really good job at that like focusing on that you get that out of this movie um 
everything else falls kind of into a jumble, but I don't know. There's a lot of cool scenes, a lot of cool... I mean, honestly, Kurt Russell's... I mean, this this script is gold for him. He gets to say all the coolest shit in the world, so... Um, and does it well, because he always does it well, but... Well, and, and Doc Holliday, the character of Doc Holliday, as Val Kilmer does it, uh, I think by having him, you know, here is Doc Holliday with tuberculosis... Mm-hmm. and he's coughing and he's sickly and he's drunk all the time but there's that that georgia drawl that he had mm-hmm. um he was originally from georgia and just this smarmy <laughs> character is is so fun to watch on every single scene and it, some of the i agree kurt russell gets the most badass lines but val kilmer gets the most memorable quotable ones you know the i'm your huckleberry you're a daisy if you do um you know the thomas hayden church is in this too christ i forgot about that thomas hayden church is in this and and sets up one of my favorite lines of the movie like you're so drunk you're probably seeing double well i got two guns one for the each (laughs) you know the the scene with with him and michael bean when they first meet and michael bean does his awesome gun spinning around his finger revolver tricks Oh yeah, he takes the the, little he, the shot tin glass cup or and tin he cup. starts yeah. whipping the tin cup around, doing the same thing, and they're speaking I mean, Latin to each other. And... Don't get me wrong, I I think Val Kilmer steals the show here. He is mm-hmm. he's the highlight of this film, and like I said, I think it's a career best. Unless he uh, does something to really wow me, it's probably going to be his my favorite of his screen performances. So, yeah, yeah, this one. So I, I would say. Uh, it was funny because when we agreed, oh, yeah, we're going to do Tombstone, we're going to do Young Guns. I had Young Guns, and I was like, I've got, do I have Tombstone? I don't. I was almost like embarrassed that I don't own Tombstone, so I had to go out <laughs> and buy it, which was totally fine. You um, want to know embarrassing? I own it, but it's actually my wife's movie, so it's <laughs> I, I bought it for her as a gift. <laughs> so but I I forgot that, how much I really like. You have to trade in movie. your man card. Mine has to go first. So. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, and there were some other ones that we had talked about trying to cover too, and, and maybe we will. And one of them was the Quick and the Dead, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the, the Sam Raimi film, um, which is a really kind of a strange western. Yeah, um, I remember liking that one quite a bit, and I don't remember much about it anymore. But I know it's got a you know another big cast. You know, like everybody's a a somebody in that movie, and um, yeah, I would like to see that again because I remember liking it. But don't rem- I don't remember much about it. I remember it being a western. <laughs> like yeah, I mean remember, that, one's, uh, that one's got Sharon Stone and uh, Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, and I remember Hackman Leonardo and DiCaprio and Gene um, Hackman, right? Yeah, and then the other one that I still would like to get on here at some point too is um, Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, which I yeah, think yeah. was probably uh, I don't want to down tombstone because i think it's a really a fun movie despite a couple of 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 narrative flaws at the end uh but tombstone i think was really the pinnacle of that western renaissance you mean unforgiven unforgiven yeah yeah unforgiven yeah and unforgiven's an oscar winner i think and and yeah yeah it is it's incredible and i'd like to revisit that one too i remember being kind of blown away by that one um yeah, I mean, and yeah, and my head canon includes him in it with my other Clint Eastwood stuff that I mentioned last week about like the Dirty Harry and <laughs> Man with right. No Name and all that. Yeah, that fits in there too. Though you know, and, and it really actually fits well with the Man with No Name trilogy. Um, 
Yeah, or maybe yeah. It's a he, he made another. You know, Clint Eastwood directed two or three movies that kind of were quote unquote unofficial man yeah. with no name movies. Unforgiven kind of fits into that. Uh, High Plains Drifter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, but but yeah, it, and so there there's a, a number of these other westerns that that came out that were really and there's some others too like uh, Silverado. Yeah, which Silverado is a, another stunt casting movie. Yeah, Kevin <laughs> Costner right. and. <laughs> Dan John Cleese and Don, yeah, Donald Glover and um, Brian Dennehy. And then, it, I don't know, I include it because it was popular when it came out, but it was a TV miniseries, and that was Lonesome Dove. Oh, yeah, I've never seen Lonesome Dove, but I know what you're talking it's, about. It's it's very, very good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's otherwise, Westerns, as we talked about last week, Westerns are a thing that every now and then you get a couple of Westerns, and they they usually do pretty good because I think it's not a constant genre and, and they're, they're done in a, in an interesting way. I mean, there's, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like we can talk about contemporary Westerns without bringing up Brokeback Mountain because that was <laughs> one, I think that really just shocked the hell out of everybody in for what, for what it's worth. Um, and that talk about being an unconventional Western Right, and but it, I think it, it has is its place in, in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, it is in a lot of ways. It's a modern western. It has more in, more in common with something like, well, I guess Near Dark is what I was gonna say. It doesn't really have a lot in common with Near Dark, but uh, being that it's a western, it's a modern movie set in the West, and right. Um, but Western culture plays such a big part in the story. Yes, it is. It is not, however, a gunfighter outlaw type movie. No, no. Um, so. And out, well, outlaws in love. Let's put it that way, right? But not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, the, I not meaning to condescend to it. I actually think that's a that's a pretty fantastic. I film. do too. But yeah, um, I it to me, it's not a quote unquote like it's not the same kind of western that Tombstone is. But I know what you're saying. It's definitely a western, as in it it has a lot to do with the west, and it's, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I want to ask you this, too, because we, we've covered some of his work before on the show. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. What are your thoughts on that one? You know, it's probably my least favorite of his films at the moment, but I only saw it once. I went and saw it in theaters and was a little bit let down. Um, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed parts about it. There, there's stuff I liked about it, but um, not my favorite thing. And I not sure how much of a western i mean it is but it isn't it's more of a isolationist whodunit type yeah. <laughs> i don't know it's it's a tarantino it's it's like if they you, i know i don't remember which movie it was we were talking about but um i'll probably in, in the near dark review but we were talking about you know tarantino's the bar we were talking about the barroom scene in near dark and tarantino came up in the way he can um kind of build tension in a scene and it's kind of mm-hmm. like he attempted to do that for an entire long movie and it didn't quite hold yeah um, yeah i agree i was i was pretty let down too star so I, I wanted it to be more of a western like to, in my mind django unchained was his western really i mean that's yeah. been yeah. yeah and i i actually did enjoy that one quite a lot yeah me too yeah um, i like that one a lot but that's my yeah, favorite I, of his more modern films yeah, i think like, me too and i guess what is it though that because we talked about with with young guns you know like what are some of the main things that didn't work and we we talked a little bit about with with tombstone what are some of the criticisms 
But what is it that really makes Tombstone... Because it's a star-studded cast, but what is it that really makes this one so much better or make it such a cult classic? I think what stands out about this movie against like what the other what we what I was calling stunt casting movies, Young Guns, Silverado, Tombstone, um, this movie really hits home that re- the realistic historical thing. Um, but I think the main thing is that the, in the '90s, that all of a sudden, like something happened culturally to us in the United States, and I'm not sure exactly what it was, um, but we started to take violence seriously. Mm-hmm. and the effects that violence has on people and that trauma is a real thing and that violence can scar people and trauma can scar people and, like, there's um, repercussions and that people kind of carry the weight of the trauma that they live along with them. So, like, violence all of a sudden wasn't just, you know... I mean, not that there's not no movies in the 90s, that, but, but, but this is a good example of a movie that takes violence very seriously. It has violence, but it's never taken lightly. And um, there's a lot of good examples of movies like that in the 90s. And I don't know what was happening to to us culturally in the United States. And it's mostly in American films I'm, I'm talking about. But um, all of a sudden we were taking it really seriously and kind of looking at what it did to people. Um, and what it, what, what it does to people. So and I think these are, through that lens, we're looking back then upon the legend of somebody like Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday, um, Johnny Ringo, this the whole gunfight at the okay corral scenario and painting it in a way a more realistic way of like these are people these are human beings so they you know all are carrying around their their baggage and the scars of their life um you know kind of living in the wild west and what that would be like and perhaps i'm giving tombstone a little bit too much credit for (laughs) that sounds very serious and then and um, it's not always very serious and it's got its moments of silliness as well, but it's, um, at least it's taking those things seriously. And I think that's what puts it hands and foot above the, the other two that I mentioned. So Young Guns and Silverado. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, that's what kind of sets it apart. Yeah, I, I would say that they weren't, I, I, I agree. I, I would add on to that though, that I think they weren't trying to go for, the same kind of target that Young Guns was. Yeah, agreed. Young Guns was was aiming at a younger audience, so everything was about a style that that young audience is going to relate to. So I felt like there was more kind of '80s pop that came through in Young Guns. They wanted to make a realistic western, and and you know, historically they made it pretty accurate um but style wise they there was still that 80s tinge to it and i don't know maybe it's because i have a hard time and i don't know maybe you do this too but i still have a hard time seeing things from the 90s as old um (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know so i I don't know get get used to it they are (laughs) yeah but and maybe so i'm not seeing it here but it doesn't feel as dated no, I, it, it just feels I like agree. the style. The style just seems to. They they may have taken some liberties with the story, but they but it was keeping the style. So I don't know. It's something that I wrestle with with a couple of directors, notably Tim Burton, and that's like I respect the guy as an artist, but I feel like his 
because his art is predominantly storytelling. His style, his visual style, I feel it gets in the way of his storytelling. And I think that's a kind of a thing that happened with Young Guns. Uh, yeah. In this case, I feel like they they had a good story. It may not be historically accurate, but it was a good one. And they were just like, we're going to agree that this is the style. We're, we want Our historical accuracy is going to go in the, the style. Well, not it almost kind of seemed like in this case they were kind of like, well, everyone knows this story, so let's let's not focus on the story a whole lot, but let's focus on these people and who yeah. they might have really been. And I think that's maybe what's so successful about it. Yeah, and I think it's just better. It's just a better writer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just well, the the dialogue's better. Better and, performances. I mean, and, great performances in this movie. Yeah. And I, I, you know, again, big star-studded cast. But this is what we were complaining about with Young Guns: is that yeah, they had a big star-studded cast, but it wasn't of people that fit these roles. Kurt Russell felt like Wyatt Earp, and yeah. Val yeah. Kilmer felt like Doc Holliday. It it really worked. Um, and with the with young guns it was like eh, here's, let's throw in Emilio Estevez just call him Billy the Kid <laughs> right you know because he vaguely kind of looks like him but not really at all so yeah he's he's like a like Hollywood up you know better looking version of him maybe but yeah yeah and uh yeah so, so... if you had to give Tombstone a, a grade <laughs> what do you think you know, I'm going to go with a B on this one. And after all the gushing I did about it, that might seem weird. But I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, I think it's a good film that could have been great. Uh, the cast is, like, really fantastic. The script is brilliant at points. However, I think it shows that it's a damaged movie that, that you know, changed directors partially in a production. Because it, it's disjointed and feels kind of un- incomplete in places so um yeah it's i don't know i don't know why you know i've warmed to it as much because i really didn't care for it the first time i saw it and then the second time it grew on me a little more and this time i you know like now i'm claiming that you know portions of this film are brilliant and, and whatever but i i do did really enjoy it this time and i um it's kind of quintessential viewing and as much as I hate to say that, because I was resistant to it for so long <laughs> growing up, I'm not sure why, but um, I would say this is something you got to see, especially if you grew up when we grew up. If, if, if there's any way you haven't seen Tombstone, I feel like this is one of those everyone has seen, but if you haven't, because there's someone out there that hasn't, um, it, it's worth the watch. It's it's not even like super, super long. I know West, some of the modern Westerns tend to run like, well, not even modern, some of the Sergio Leone films are pushing three hours but this one's just over two hours long and i don't think it ever feels like it drags too much um so i'd have to i'd actually i'm gonna be generous and i'm gonna go with an a minus on this one um and only because actually i feel like the only time it does drag a bit is when it starts to feel disjointed in that third act yeah um and and that's when that's when I start to wander a little bit because it's it's like all right let's there's just there's there's a lot of subplots and they're trying to wrap them all up at once, um, but I I just feel like this is one I would agree yeah it's quintessential viewing I think if you if you want to see a more contemporary made western you got to start with this one, um, the characters are great they're they found big name talented 
actors and actresses to play characters that you want to see on the screen. Um, and, and which is surprising too, that every scene it's like, Oh God, there's Thomas Hayden church. There's Billy Bob Thornton. There's, you know, Bowers Booth and all these, these really well-known actors and, and, and actresses. And which runs the risk of being miscast, you know, like how oh, we really wanted to have this, this performer in the movie so we just said yeah you're doc holiday no actually they really did a really good job everybody does a good job Mm -hmm. uh with with these these roles and i think it shows that kurt russell was involved in the writing Uh, he's he's a really great actor he knows his craft he knows films i i don't see I know we, we just mentioned Hateful Eight, which wasn't, you know, I'm not a fan of that one either, but Kurt Russell's fine in it, you know, so oh, he's yeah, always great. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, yeah, mine too. So I mean, how so, do you not, I, how do you grow up, especially liking what we like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, because we're doing what we're doing on this podcast, how do you, how are you not a fan of Kurt Russell? Like, <laughs> just... Yeah, yeah, he's like number one actor on my list I just want to like have a couple of beers with, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would have to give this one an A minus as, as well, or give this one an A minus. But it's only because of some of the issues uh, with you know, narratively there at at the end. But otherwise, yeah, this one's always always a lot of fun to watch. I did try to even get my my daughter to watch this one, and yeah, she's <laughs> this is what I've been doing in the last you know my my wife being out of town. So we. Uh, I tried getting her to watch some of these movies, and yeah, she had no no interest in it. But yeah, I, I did I did make her watch the scene where he slaps Billy Bob Thornton around, just because I was like, that's so badass. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I wanted to share it with somebody, and she's nine. I'm like, hey, come here, look at this. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah, I, and hopefully, you know, one of these days we can we can squeeze in Young Guns too, and quick and the dead and unforgiven and all the other these kind of westerns this is just kind of the two that we picked but there's a number of other westerns uh oh, that, yeah. that were in the in the 80s and early 90s and if we've missed any from the conversation please feel free to drop us a line and and correct us or, or tell us what you think about those or this one again you can always email us at video podcast at gmail.com or find us on twitter at video junk pod or check our facebook page both the the for official Video Junker Podcast Facebook page or the Video Junker Podcast group Facebook page. And uh, let us know, what do you think of Tombstone? Do you have a favorite line? Or is there some other 80s slash 90s Western that we haven't brought up that we should have? Yeah. Coming up on the schedule, believe it or not, next week we're going to be looking at, for a couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at musicals on the Video Junker Podcast. So what musicals would we possibly be checking out and leave that up to you and musicals may be a loose definition but certainly works for those two films and um we're gonna look at some kevin costner movies and we're going to do a new forgotten franchise as well so joining us for much of that will be our good friend ryan stiskel we have to work on getting that scheduled but he is planning on being on the show um he just joined us a few weeks ago if you haven't listened to it yet for our um two-part conan um special i guess (laughs) um which was which was a lot of fun so looking forward to having ryan back absolutely so a lot of fun stuff coming up uh on the schedule and uh 
like we said, feel free to drop us a line. And I want to thank everybody, as always, for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. This is Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric Branson. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.